Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Our Weekends Booked. I'm Brielle. And I'm Kate. And this week's discussion is about The Luminaries by Susan Denard. As usual, I'm going to start off giving you guys some author information. First off, Susan is an American young adult fantasy author, a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, Her debut novel was published in 2012. It was called Something Strange and Deadly. It was published by HarperCollins. Um, She runs a newsletter called Misfits and Daydreamers for Writers. And she actually, uh, her Witchland series is actually being produced into a show. And something I thought was kind of cool because I live in Georgia was that even though she was born in Virginia, she grew up in a small town called Dalton in Georgia. That's pretty cool. Hometown author for you. (laughs) I know. I liked that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I don't see a lot of authors from Georgia. Yeah. So I think that the first thing that drew us to this book was definitely the cover. I mean, we're cover suckers. And this cover, it it has all the all the the things that we look for oh yeah definitely beautiful cover i as soon as i saw it in the store i wanted to buy it and it's been on our shelf for a little while and i was so excited when we picked it and from how much i loved this book not disappointed at all no and i i honestly like i had never heard of susan denard or you know seen anything that she's worked on before so that was cool that was like you know she's not considered an indie author but she is somebody that you know we weren't familiar with so reading something from her you know that's like broadening our um reading scope there so that's cool I like that yeah and I think it's awesome that you know we we are able to read so many different authors and you know maybe ones that aren't as popular because I I'm an avid reader and so are you. And I had never heard of her before I saw this book. Yeah. And now I'm like stalking her on like Instagram and stuff. <laughs> she seems like a really cool person though. I mean, let's be honest. I already pre-ordered the second book that comes out in November. So <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. I have to read it. <laughs> no, I definitely want to read it too. Um, I gave this book four stars because I, I really enjoyed it. Um, It was not what I was expecting at all, though. So I actually gave this book five stars. I think it was my second five-star read for the year. I just loved it. It it literally, like, from the second that I started it, I didn't want to put it down. I was, like, entranced by the whole world that she built. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that world. Um, It takes place in Hemlock Falls, which obviously is a fictional um, town But it's also, like, kind of magical, I think you would say. Yeah, you know what it kind of made me think of? I can't think of the name of this movie, and it's going to drive me crazy. Ugh. (laughs) It's a sci-fi, I think it's a sci-fi movie. And it's basically, like, a city that's protected by a dome, and nothing else can get to it. That's, I'll I'll figure out the name of it by the end of this podcast. I'm sure I will. But... It kind of reminded me of that, how this Hemlock Falls is kind of secluded from the rest of the world. Yeah, and it's secluded for good reason, because the title of the book is The Luminaries, and a lot of the main characters of the book are called, obviously, The Luminaries, which are like protectors of this realm and all of humanity, I guess you would say, because they are protecting everyone else 
from Nightmares. The movie's called Biodome. <laughs> oh, Biodome. <laughs> Which is nothing. I know what movie you're talking about now. Isn't Polly sure in that? Yeah, but it's like, so it's a comedy, right? But, but you just mean the concept of it. It gives you the concept. Like, it really made me think about that. Because in that movie, they're, like, trapped in this dome for an entire year as, like, a science experiment. So it kind of gave me that same kind of feeling that the the normal world is going on completely normal outside of this dome that's basically protected and no one can get in. Yeah, and, I mean, you are right because the, the normal world which I think they call them nons, right? Just like yeah. regular, normal people. They don't know that, you know, this certain group of people is, like, protecting them from, like I said, the nightmares, which we'll kind of get into what they are. Um, basically just a bunch of scary monsters. But they are protecting them. The luminaries are set up as each day of the week has a different clan. So there's hunters, there's people that collect the dead nightmares. Each, each sector has a... Sp- a purpose for each day of the week. Yeah, and there's seven, just like seven days of the week. And each um, one of those families actually has their own like type of motto. So I um, guess we're going to kind of focus on like two main characters here. We'll get into some supporting cast as well. But um, our main character is Winnie Wednesday. And she like her family's motto is loyalty. Yeah, and I think their crest is like a black bear, right? Yes. Which, it's actually ironic now that I sit here and think about it, that the Wednesday motto is loyalty. And one of the biggest things about our character, Winnie, is that her and her family are outcast because their father betrayed them all. Yeah, this book um, kind of could be considered to have a, like a trigger warning because besides Winnie and her mom and her brother, like they all kind of, you know, talk and get along or whatever, but like everyone else are kind of like bullies to them. Now. Yeah. Her dad did some alleged shady things, but they're suffering for it because the dad has been like, he's completely like ditched them. Right. He's left. So they're still stuck in Hemlock Falls and completely outcasted. They, um, I mean, she gets made fun of at school and it's kind of sad. And it it could, you know, lead some people to have a little bit of a trigger there. Yeah, I mean, and so since we're talking about the Luminaries, you have another group called the Dianas who are basically trying to steal the spirits that create the nightmares and the magic that they have to kind of run the world. And her father was accused of being one of them. So that's why I say it's ironic that their family crosses loyalty when you think about it. Yeah. And I think um, just to give the readers like a little sneak of like what we're kind of talking about here. So think of like the luminaries as the light, obviously play on words there. Very smart. And then the Dianas are like the darkness. They are kind of like the bad ones of the book. And, you know, her Winnie, she grows up like most of her life thinking that her dad is just this great person. But then come to find out he's on the wrong team here. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
Everyone's innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But so the luminaries are hunters, like we said earlier. And what exactly they're hunting is in Hemlock Falls, there's 13 spirits, which I said to Brielle when we we're discussing this. Never really explains where these spirits came from. So it's a little odd. I, I don't think that we're going to get that full story maybe until book two, which is fine. Um, it was explained enough, you know, to get you kind of through. But if you really think about it, like what, where did they come from? Yeah, I mean, that really kind of threw me off. But besides the point, these spirits, every night when they dream, they create these nightmares that come to life. And... Like Brielle said earlier, they're like scary monsters. You have banshees, kelpies, any werewolves, any supernatural creature that you could basically think of are created as these nightmares. That when the sun goes down, there's a mist that comes over the land. And once the mist kind of dissipates, all these nightmares are revealed. And that's where the families come in, depending on what night of the week it is. They have um, their best members of their family are like hunters and they, you know, hunt these nightmares. So like, you know, whatever's on the loose, they have to kill it because if it crosses the boundary, it can get out of Hemlock Falls. Yeah, so many intricate parts to this book that I felt made the writing so elegant and so easy to read. Yeah, it, it had a really good flow to it. And like I said before, like, even if everything wasn't explained just yet, the way that she, um, like, laid it out, it was still, like, really easy to understand and, and follow. Oh, yeah. I mean, for for the fantasy world that she built, there was still, there was a lot of characters, a lot of things to keep up with. This was actually one of the first books that I um, annotated, I guess you could kind of say. I did not write in my book. I'm not that kind of crazy. But I got tiny post-it notes <laughs> and put them on the pages where I wanted to remember things because there was a lot of information you were given. So it could have been, I could see there could have been some parts which could have been a little bit confusing if you didn't kind of keep up with everything. But overall, I felt like everything kind of ran together pretty well. Yeah, I agree with that. So we'll get back to Winnie. Our main, our main character here. And like Brielle said, she's kind of on the outs with everybody because she's outcasted. So her friends at school don't talk to her anymore. And she had two best friends at school. One, I don't remember her name because she was irrelevant. But our second main character, his name is Jay, and he's with the Friday clan. Now, when she, before her family was outcasted, her and Jay were the best of friends. And you kind of see throughout the book even though she's still technically outcasted, their relationship kind of develops back to almost where they're starting to become friends again and maybe a little bit more. Yes, and Jay is actually a hunter. So at this point, Winnie wants to compete in the hunter trials because she's an outcast. I don't think she's like invited, but she kind of finds a loophole and gets herself in there. But Jay is already a hunter, right? So I think that she, obviously she's like hurt because they were such good friends. And then, you know, her dad pulled this, whatever it is that he pulled. 
So nobody's supposed to talk to her. So she's lost her friend. And then obviously Jay is a hunter and that's like Winnie's goal. Like that's all she wants to do with her life. Her mother was one. Her grandmother was one. Her great grandmother was one. It's like a whole legacy. Yeah. And her aunt actually throughout the book, um, her aunt Rachel is actually the head hunter. But so she's like the head of the clan right now. Right. Yeah. So like Brielle said, Winnie decides she's going to go into the luminary trials and the loophole that she finds is even whether you're an outcast or not, when everyone turns 16, they have the opportunity. So that was kind of going to be her loophole of how she would end her family being outcast. Because I'm not sure if we mentioned this, but if we didn't, they've been outcasted for 10 years. And at the point where Winnie decides that she's going to go into the trials, they still have six more years to go and she just can't take it anymore. So she does start to compete in the trials. There's three challenges. And the first one, she doesn't exactly win it, I guess you would say. But, and I won't give you all the details of like, you know, how it went down. But she doesn't win it outright. But she kind of like, lets like a little white lie turn into like a big lie. And she obviously can't go back because after winning just the first challenge the town kind of like does a flip and they're like oh wait a minute the Wednesdays are relevant again and even though their outcast isn't fully overturned they're being invited to like clan dinners and like people are talking to her at school and you can see that she like really is starting to like enjoy like the attention. So obviously like what girl is going to be like, oh, wait a minute, my bad. I, I kind of lied. You know, that's not going to happen, especially with a teenager. Oh, yeah. Now they do have two friends, Emma and Bretta, and they're twins. And they are really the only people that I think they came to Hemlock Falls, they say about a year prior. So this is in the midst of Winnie being an outcast. And she does say that they are, like, the only two people that have never treated her any differently and have always kind of accepted her. And they're Wednesdays, right? So they're, like, in the same clan, too. I believe so. I think, and I think while Winnie is outcasted, since she can't hunt, her job is to collect the corpses of the murdered nightmares from the evening before. Yeah, and how, like, (laughs) I mean, this poor girl... So you have no friends. Nobody will talk to you. You're getting picked on all the time. And then you get to not only, like, scoop up dead bodies, you have to, like, get up, like, stay up all night to do it and collect them and then turn them into the morgue. And while you're turning them into the morgue, like, nobody there is talking to you either. Like, this is just, like I said, this has some trigger warnings in it. You, you must be careful if this would bother you. Bullying of any type would bother you. I mean, it is a really sad story for her. But there is one person that talks to her when she drops off the nightmares. And that's Mario, who's the head researcher of the Luminaries. And he's kind of, to me, one of the only people that kind of respects her opinion. They discuss the nightmares. And when she comes across, we'll call it an unidentified nightmare, he's the one person that believes her. Everyone else makes it seem like it's this big conspiracy theory and she's lost her mind. Yeah, or they almost act like they want to cover it up. You know, like maybe they don't want to think that there could be a nightmare that hasn't been identified yet out there. Um, 
one thing I thought that was kind of cool was she has studied this book, right? So she, since her outcast, I mean, she doesn't really have a lot going on. So she takes what's called the nightmare. Is it compendium? I think that's how you pronounce it. And to me, it's just like a huge encyclopedia of all of these nightmares. So she can like literally recite every nightmare. So like example, there's one part in the book and she's like, she comes across the Banshee and in her mind, she's like telling the characteristics of the Banshee and how possibly to kill the Banshee or get away from the Banshee or, or, you know, things that would lure it to you or things that would um, like or repel it from you. I thought that was kind of cool because I was like, that that would be like a cool book, you know, if, if you lived in some kind of fantasy realm, like you study instead of like, you know, studying math, you're studying a nightmare compendium. Yeah, which was kind of cool. I mean, and this girl, she's also an artist. She draws all these nightmares that she picks up during the day after they've been murdered the night before. And what I think is kind of cool is she, she definitely has a photographic memory because when you, as you see her going through these three trials, every time she sees a nightmare, it's almost like it pops into her mind, the whole picture. And she remembers everything about it. Yeah. That's why she gets so thrown off. She even like gives this unidentified nightmare a name. She calls it the whisper because she says that, Right before it comes, like, it gets, like, quiet or almost, like, all you can hear is, like, the rustle of the trees. It's just very eerie, and it's not something that anybody has ever talked about before, and it's not in her Nightmare Encyclopedia. I had a really hard time reading. So, I have one of those brains where, as I'm reading, it's like a movie takes place in my mind. And every time she talked about The Whisperer, I had the hardest time like thinking of what this thing looked like or the essence of it or anything. Well, to me it, so the mist that comes like before the nightmares come, like it almost comes back with the whisper, but it's not exactly the same. Like that's the picture that I was getting in there. Like it's not something that's like physical, you know, it's almost like more of like a feeling yeah, but the way that that whisperer is described in the book, it basically kills everything in its surroundings. So I'm hoping maybe in book two, there'll be a little bit more meat about the whisperer because there has to be, right? Well, yeah, I think that's basically all that they're going to hunt in the next book. Because I think that by the end of this book, people are starting to listen to her. The right people are starting to listen to her. And they know that something's something's off. Now, they don't want, like, a 16-year-old girl to be the one that discovers it. But it's still their job as the luminaries to protect, you know, everybody outside of him. Yeah, that's true. And it does. It's, it's really sad that nobody believes her because it could have saved some things from happening. But... If they would have believed her right away, I think it would have taken away from some of the plot points. Another big thing that's going to be in book two is definitely going to be Jay's character. I think that we're going to get a little bit more in depth with him. You can definitely see 
a little bit of like a love interest developing between the two of them. Now, yeah, they were best friends, but I think because of how old they are and things like that, that maybe that's turning into something else. And I think there's something up with him. Like, I'm not sure that he's just a hunter. Like, a couple times I kind of thought that he was one of the nightmares or maybe he had something to do with the whisper itself. I don't know. I just think there's some kind of connection there. There was several times throughout the book where I felt like when they talked about how tired Jay always looked and things like that, I thought there has to be more that meets the eye to this guy. I honestly, at some points, I thought maybe he was a nightmare himself, like a werewolf. I kind of thought at first that maybe he, when Winnie saw him, like, you look tired, or he, she, she, like, describes him as, like, disheveled, that maybe he was kind of, like, torn up about the fact that he was being so mean to her, because he really didn't want to be, like, you know, he didn't want to be part of that outcast, um, but then also... He is like a teenage boy, so I don't know if that plays into it. I don't know. My brain was just like going in so many directions here. I want to really like him, but I just have a feeling that there's just something sinister about him. Yeah, I got that vibe a couple times, but he does offer to help her and basically saves her life during the second trial. So maybe he's not all bad, but I definitely think that there is a secret that we will be revealed to us about him in book two. At least I hope. Yeah, I think there's going to be several things revealed because if you remember, um, a lot of people in the town will mention events that happened 17 years ago. And it's never explained exactly what they are, but it's something that's not good. It was a werewolf bite. Someone got bitten by a werewolf. Which made me think it was Jay. But that's then a, they talk. I think he's a werewolf. <laughs> but then they talk about how you, if you get bit, it doesn't necessarily turn you. So I think that, like, I'm hoping that all of that will be, um, that will, like, all that will come to the light. And also, before you had said, you know, Winnie had two best friends. Jay was one of them. And you said, I don't remember the other girl's name. Her, I think her name was Erica. And Erica's sister died. But that was not explained either. So I think that all of those puzzle pieces are going to fit together eventually. I just, I can't say enough how much I love this book. The story was so different from anything that we've read lately. I would say even throughout last year as well. And I think maybe that's what kind of like drew me to it even more was that it was so different from everything else that's out there right now yeah like one of my favorite parts was learning about the nightmares like we've read a couple books that have um like kelpies in it and then um banshees are like a big thing if you've ever read like any like irish folklore which i'm kind of obsessed with um so that was in there and then like they did like a little spin on vampires they're called vampira oh yeah they sounded creepy yeah they did right so um we read another book oh it's been a while now but the author's by it's grady hendrick's book and the vampires in that book almost 
remind me of the vampira in this book just the way that their jaws are described as opening like not up and down like almost like from side to side and like the predator face if you've ever seen that movie um so it's just kind of cool for me you know it's just like a different visual than you're used to i'm gonna be honest every time they talked about the vampiras and like the stilt like legs they had all i thought of was flamingos with fangs I mean, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me no, I'm wrong. No, you're, you're not wrong. Yeah, because they weren't described as, like, walking on, like, stilt legs. These weren't, like, your sexy, like, you know, vampires that we've been reading about. Like, you know, Hudson and Jackson and all them. These were, like, creepy looking, not normal, not, like, human-ish. Yeah. <laughs> Flamingos with fangs, like at the end. <laughs> I like it. Now that now I won't be able to unsee that visual. <laughs> I mean, the way they talked about their legs and stuff, I just couldn't I couldn't picture anything else. I was like, hmm. But it was it was unique, right? So a hundred percent. And that's why I think I liked, like I said, that we haven't read anything like that because she puts a twist on each of the nightmares. Everything's a little bit different than what it would typically be. Even even the Kelpies and things like that in other fantasy books. What I did find interesting about the nightmares was they couldn't go around running water. Yeah, that was strange. So, I mean, if you're ever in scary woods, just find a stream because nightmares can't cross it. Unless they're out for blood, then they're going to cross it anyway and just get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was an interesting thing because it made me think, I was like, wow, I wonder what there was in the water that made it to where they couldn't cross through. Well, I think it was, like, kind of touched on in the book. Like, maybe it was the purity of the water. You're right. You're right. They did say that. Which makes sense, right? Because you have to think, like, if it's a running stream, like, that water's pure anyway. But then you don't know where, like, the actual um, main source of the water was coming from. Um, So it was just, like, a good versus evil thing. I like that. That's true. When you put it that way, that makes sense. So, I mean, all in all, definitely highly recommend this book. Um, like I said before, I did give it four stars, but that's just because I'm stingy sometimes. But I absolutely cannot wait to, um, I will pre-order the second one. I am going to follow in Kate's footsteps and just go ahead and pre-order it because it's it. I know it's going to be worth it. Look, I'm going to tell everybody this. When you pre-order a book, you don't get charged right away. They don't charge you until the book actually gets delivered to you. So that's how I justify doing that every time I do it. <laughs> yeah. And then when you've pre-ordered five books and they all get released on, you know, November 7th, your husband's going to be really mad at you. That's what happens at my house. This is true, but <laughs> he'll get over it. You know, it's a good habit to have. But online, it says that people that read live longer. And the way that we read, I'm going to be 175 before I die. <laughs> and we're still going to be doing our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my gosh, that'd be so funny. All right, well, that wraps up episode 15. As always, if you guys enjoyed what you heard, give us a rating on whatever podcast outlet you listen to and share with your friends. Also, if you want, check us out on Instagram at our underscore weekends underscore books. Again, I'm Kate. And I'm Brielle. Until next time.